Welcome to the Transformation Podcast. My name is Chris Sanchez, and I'm joined with Darren Davis, pastor and senior leader here at the Harbor Church. Darren, we are at a year. This is final episode before we jump in on the year. I think the next episode, we're going to get into a lot of background stories and just things that God's been doing. So I'm excited for us to reach this threshold. But first of all, thanks for sitting in on on this episode. Yeah, of course. And I, I think what a year it's been. I mean, I've listened to all these podcasts, been a part of them, and just incredible, incredible stories of transformed lives. And, and so excited to be doing this with you, Chris. So today's episode, we are talking with Savannah Alban. I mean, it's a special episode for you, I'm sure, hearing the testimony of your daughter. And she went to some places that was really vulnerable and, and good to hear and, and get some insight on. So what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I loved this one. I actually listened to it with my wife. And, and just to reflect on the story of my daughter's life, I, I think it's so beautiful because here, I, I mean, we have three kids and she's our oldest. And just never, ever had an issue with Savannah, you know, as parents. I mean, we all have struggles with kids, but she was just such a beautiful person as all of our kids are, but just her journey with the Lord is, is really, really beautiful. But I think at the end of the day, it's faith. That's a gift for everybody, you know, whether your life veers off into all kinds of problems and challenges or if like Savannah, you know, God started to meet with her at a very, very young age. At the end of the day, it was grace that visited her to give her faith to believe. And I just love some of the perspective that she threw out. I actually learned from this podcast myself and was deeply, deeply moved. I don't want to break the surprise here, but on the story of that, that woman getting healed in, in England, I, 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 th- I almost started weeping when I heard that story. So that was very, very vulnerable. So incredible, Chris, really. Was there something that, I mean, again, without spilling all the beans, but was there something else that you kind of didn't understand that she was going through? Because she went into some deep spots just as a father. Yeah, I, I think it was really cool to hear just how she maybe perceived her mom and I, and as a child and the journey that she had with us as parents in our life as people that have been full-time vocational ministry for us for pretty much the entirety of her life. So I think that was the most personally touching thing for me and insightful thing for me just to hear from her in that perspective. And I just, I just love the maturity and the way that she brought things. It was again, deeply inspiring and tremendously blessed by this podcast. So listen, for all of you that are out there that are tuning into this, here's another story as we wrap up one year, Chris, of another life transformed. Enjoy. Technically, it's Sarah Savannah Davis Alvin. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm Sarah. Technically. Whoa. Which why is so you, weird to say. Why did you go to Savannah? That's my mom. I blame my mother for that. <laughs> she wanted to fit Sarah in there because her best friend growing up was Sarah, but then they had no intention of ever calling me Sarah. So it just followed me throughout my whole life. And you said last name Albin. Yeah. 
Does that ever, do you ever get those conflicts with Juan? Because Juan, when he recorded with me, however Alban. it was, he said Alban, yeah, with the flair. I know, I don't got the flair. <laughs> I'm gringa. That's it. Did you ever have any funny stories of cultures just clashing when you guys were married or dating or? Oh, gosh. I mean, y- yes, in the beginning, especially when we were dating, because I didn't speak Spanish. And so I remember specifically when we were dating, like I would go over to his parents' house and they'd, they'd be just speaking Spanish all the time. And all I'd hear is something, something, que pasa, Savannah. And then they keep talking. And I'm like, you're clearly talking about me, but I have no clue what you're saying. That's so I had, I had to learn quick. By the way, this is the Transformation Podcast. This is. <laughs> Look I'm at here, that. And I'm here with Savannah Albin. Uh, <laughs> or to some Savannah Alban. Alban, Savannah, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a real honor to have you here. I'm really excited to get into the meat of like your story and everything that you carry because when you worship, when you speak and pray, you can just tell that you have carried a history in your heart and it's mm. been a, a journey with the Lord. And I really want to dive into that. So I just want to say thank you. I love it. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Can we start just at the beginning? For those who don't know, Savannah's parents are the head pastors at Harvard Church. That's right. Papa D. That's right. And that comes with a lot of people might carry with titles or responsibilities or burdens. And I want to get into all that. But can you just share early life, what it's like being around some a family who is seeking after the Lord and growing up in that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of cool for me because I I really got to see my parents in a lot of different stages. I got to see them when they did missions, when they did business, when they did church ministry and church planning. And I really respect being able to see that journey because for me, it showed me so much of what they put into it and also their sacrifice. I mean, my goodness, for me, when you're a kid, you don't, your parents are your parents, right? So you don't, you don't really realize anything. And the older you get, the more you see the way that they live their life, the more you see the things that you love. And so it's been quite a, it's been quite a journey. So we can definitely happen. Was there, was there a moment early on where you kind of felt, Hey, my friends talk about their parents some way, or they have stories about their parents one way. And then when you share your stories about your parents, it didn't really match. Was there any kind of awkwardness growing up? Never, actually never any awkwardness for me. I I felt a lot of excitement because for me, my life was never, it was never boring. I remember there'd be summers that we'd go overseas and spend a month or two in another country. And and I was able to really see the world through a different lens because of that. And so I don't know. I think I always grew up with a respect, a little bit of respect for just knowing that everyone's so different in a lot of ways, but it was kind of exciting for me growing up. Where is Jesus in these early years and traveling and exploring? Mm. Like what, what's your relationship with him looking like? Jesus. That's a really good question. I honestly, like if I look back over my life, I really feel like the Lord was threaded through so many aspects of my life. Like if I just start back to early years, I remember my mom telling me stories of me sitting in the back seat, just saying, Holy spirit come as a little girl. And a lot of my life, I I mean, I don't know how much um, 
has my dad done one of these podcasts yet? No, not yet. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm like, how much of the story has he shared? Both of my parents have come from beautiful families, but also craziness as well on both sides. And so for me growing up in my family, I got to see the Lord in such a unique way because in though their parents knew Jesus, they were kind of a first generation trailblazer for this thing called holistic family, like trying to figure out what this looks like to run with the Lord. And so throughout my, my life, I just really felt like the Lord protected me from a lot of stuff growing up underneath them. But I also got to see the realities of other people's, my extended family's life as well in their own wrestle with the Lord. Yeah. I just feel like, I feel like Jesus was threaded through a lot of different aspects and I looked different depending on what age I was. And what were some of those differences? Yeah, I would say as a kid, like if I think back into my earliest years with the kid, as a kid, this sounds so funny, but I remember specifically being in Birmingham, Alabama, I must've been like second or third grade. And I remember sitting on the swing and I used to, we had this play set in the back and I'd play by myself because Jesse, my middle brother would never, never play with me <laughs> and uh, gotta love those brothers. He was a recluse, but I love him. And I used to sit on the swing set and I used to just write it up. And I used to talk to God and say, God, if you're real, I want you to make me fly. And I would genuinely believe a hundred percent that God was going to rocket launch me out of that swing set. And I would just be able to pull like a straight Peter pan and, and fly. I had just had that much faith in the Lord. I remember from a young age, having this wonder and this imagination with Jesus really feeling him from a really young, from a young age. Like I remember the first time I really experienced the Lord, my dad was speaking at a youth conference and I must've been in elementary school, but I just remember feeling the, like a thick weight of the Lord in a way that felt very real to me from a young age. What was going on there? What, what were you experiencing? What were you seeking at? And what did he show you? I wasn't, that's the funny thing. I wasn't trying to seek anything. I remember being on the, in the sanctuary space, laying on the ground. And I just was crying like a little baby because I felt this thick, tangible, almost like an, an encounter with, with love, with God's love. I just felt like this full weighty presence at a young age and that same spirit that I felt when I encountered the Lord, the first time I felt it throughout my life and it would come in these, it looked similar. It felt similar, but it looked different as I entered in middle school and high school and transitioning out of of that into, into ministry school. So did you ever go through, I mean, I'll be very honest with you. My experiences growing up because I went to a Christian school and there yeah. were a lot of pastors' kids and they tended to be the worst behaved, <laughs> the most rebellious. They you got know? street cred for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it? Uh TP or the pastor TPKs, I think is what they I don't know. There was, there oh, was yeah. PK, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there was uh experiences where you saw kids growing up in church and they seemed to rebel. Did you ever go through like a season of, man, I'm, I'm in this too much. I, you know, I mean, you had a season of rebellion at all. Did you ever struggle with that? It's, I remember specifically a moment actually with me and my dad, where my dad, we had just moved to Florida and actually my move, my transition down to Florida, though I was young, was actually very difficult for me. But I remember this moment with my dad where he looked at me in the eyes and he said, Hey, 
I would be so grieved in my heart if I ever knew that you went to church, that you love the Lord because it was something that you felt obligated to do. He said, I don't ever care if you go to church. <laughs> like, I don't care what you do. I want you to know that I love you and we want you to know Jesus because you know him. And it's interesting because I know everyone's journey is so different. And in a lot of ways, I always felt, it always felt almost obscure sharing my testimony because my testimony with the Lord is so, it's just, it's been a different journey. Like I always almost wanted those like, yeah, I did drugs and I got saved, which is so cool too, which is so cool. But I had those radical turnarounds. But for me, I actually didn't have those rebellious moments. I had the moments where I asked God, like, are you, are you real? Are you really real? Where are you in this world? Like I had those heart moments, those deep questions that you can have with the Lord or with Christianity, but I definitely never had that rebellious streak. And I always felt very safe, especially because of that starting off conversation with my family to figure out who God was in a very real way and, and didn't actually feel a lot of that pressure growing up. Yeah. Feel when you shared, you know, what does your parents do? Oh, you know, a teacher, dentist, or what does your dad do? Oh, he's a pastor. Did you ever (laughs) feel like there were misconceptions about who you were just because you were the daughter of a pastor and parents who were leading a church? Yes. (laughs) Well, mainly because when we came in at that time, Harbor and the concept of just even being more free in the Holy Spirit was pretty new to, to the region in a lot of ways. And so I'll never forget, and I won't name names, but I'll never forget there was definitely a stigma specifically about the harbor in that time of, because, you know, the whole Rob Bell emergent thing was very cool to, to say, and, oh, are you, are you a part of the emergent church? Which I still don't <laughs> To this day, not, I don't even fully know what any of that means, but I remember specifically within the Christian world, there was that stigma about, oh, your dad's the pastor of the Harbor. I hear things get a little wild over the Harbor. And I never knew how to respond to that. I was like, well, just come and check it out. So that was always, that was difficult growing up. And then too, if you, cause I was very much in the performing arts world. So If you ever had those kind of conversations in a very secular realm, people aren't going to have a grid for what a pastor is. They're going to think you wear like a, a a skirt down to your ankles and, you know, just, they just have these different misconceptions. So definitely happens depending on what sphere you're talking to. Let's talk about, sometimes I write these notes down and and one note that came to me is I want to really talk about your voice. Mm. Can you share a journey of where you've had to grow in what your voice is and and who you are. Cause sometimes it's easy to get wrapped up in, well, I'm this person's daughter or I belong to this church. Cause you're so close to it. You might feel lost. Can you, yeah. share, can you share about your voice and the weight that you have carried and the growth process through that? That's a really good question. I think My journey with that, it's morphed, right? So every single season, I'll kind of backtrack it. It was fun for me growing up in the harbor back in the day with Mary Cat and Justin and Andrew and Michelle and Christine and Shannon. There's so many names that I could list, but people that actually 
I felt like always kind of gave me a voice in a lot of ways. I would say out of high school into leaving and going to California, there was so much that I was able to discover about myself. I think there is that fear, especially when you have a dad who's a a fiery pastor, a mom that's super prophetic. It's like, oh, like, can I do what can what right. do I have to bring to the table, you know? And so I would say that that, that journey just came for in the process of discovery, especially when I left home. I mean, I left home at a really young age, 18, 19. Uh, I went right off to the furthest place you can go, not intentionally, but I went to California and there was so much, so many aspects of myself that I got to discover and learn in a place that nobody knew who I was. What were you doing out there? Yeah. So when I was 19, Banning Leapshire from Jesus Culture invited me to go on a summer tour with them. And so I did a lot of their admin stuff on the tour. And then I ended up, he, he kind of convinced me to stay for BSSM to do uh, the ministry school out in Riding, California. And at the time I was like, no, I'm going to go be a missionary. I actually really wanted to work at One Hope, do missions, which now looking back, I'm like, why did I want to do? I love missions. I really do. But just, I wouldn't have been the right fit. So I ended up staying out there almost for four years at that point before I came back. And that you said you, you learned a lot about yourself. Was yeah. that sort of where you started to realize the Lord's given me something that I need to step into? A hundred percent. I mean, worship for me is a small aspect of like who I am, but even within that realm, like I never sang ever in front of my parents until my senior year of high school, I had a graduation a little graduation banquet and the initial girl that was going to do it backed out. And last minute, they randomly asked me to step in. And that was the first time I'd ever say in front of my parents. And I was so nervous, but even in that aspect with music and all that stuff, my dad didn't do music. Mom never did music. It was in our family back in the day, but it was nothing that ever anyone had ever really explored. So there's pieces of, of that, that I feel like I learned as I as I left home and, and there's pieces of even speaking that I was intimidated to do. But when I, when I went off, I just, there was just so much that I discovered about life that I loved. And I feel like there's no better way to learn that than to spread your wings and hop out of the nest. I mean, it's gotta be a little bit intimidating, right? A little bit, uh, you could get a little afraid because you've traveled before, but you were with your family and now you're here, you are doing it on your own. What were some moments where you felt like, is this really where I'm supposed to be? <laughs> I have a very adventurous spirit, not as much as one. It's funny. I feel like the older I get, the less adventurous I become. But, but back then I was just kind of like, give me a backpack and let me go. Like, I'm going to do it. So for me, I really liked it. I really did like it. I, I liked being in a place that everything was new and I could really establish some of those core things. Who do I actually believe that I am? Who, who do I really think that I am? So there was never a moment. I think that especially in those times, everything just felt like the first time. So it felt really exciting. You mentioned earlier, and you just said a couple of deep questions that you would constantly be going to the Lord and asking deep questions. Mm. What question that you can remember brought you the most transformation where before you had a question, no idea what's going on. You hear from the Lord and however he speaks, and then it's like, boom, there's transformation in that answer. I mean, I'll share just kind of initial story that comes off off the top of my head. When I was out at BSSM, Bethel's Ministry School in Reading, I had 
this moment where it's funny because a lot of what they talk about out there is healing and the things that the Lord can do. And, and growing up, I always believed that God could do that kind of stuff. But I had a really big hurt in my life when one of a mom that I really loved and, and valued, I was believing and standing for her to get healed of cancer and she passed away. And that was right in the middle of my school and our whole revival group was praying for her. And, and in that moment, I felt really discouraged because it was the first time in my life. I truly believed that God was going to really break through. So I went through a grieving process. And I remember on a missionary trip to England, we had this moment with Paul Manwaring where we were in a crowd of a hundred people. And I was just fresh off the boat with that, some of that pain. And it was going to be like a healing night. <laughs> I was like, great. This is my worst nightmare. Like I, can I not go to this night? And they had a stand in the front and they said, Hey, if you're experiencing this, raise your hand. If you're experiencing this, raise your hand. And they just kind of dispersed all of us students out. And I was praying to the Lord. I was God, please give me some money that like has a headache or like something that I don't really have to follow up on. And I ended up going up to this lady who Little did I know she was in a chair, but she had moved from a wheelchair and hadn't been able to walk in, I think it was like almost three years because of something that was going on within her legs. And I was so sick to my stomach. I was like, no, God, why? And so I prayed. I said, God, I, okay, I know that you can do this, but I'm just asking for a miracle tonight for this woman. And I put my hand on her, on her knee and she was telling me what was going on with her. And so I just prayed a simple prayer. God, would you heal her in the name of Jesus? And no joke, Grace, like right as I said that I felt a bone in her knee pop in my hand and she just starts bawling. She gets up out of the chair and she starts running around the sanctuary. And at that point, I don't know who's crying more if it was like me or if it was her, because I was so shocked that God would actually do that. And I still don't understand the full mystery that is Jesus, especially when it comes to healing. But I know in that moment, it was almost, I felt the Lord heard me. And though I didn't understand his ways in that, in that sense, it was just a kiss from heaven to say, Hey, I still, I still hear you. I'm still faithful. Wow. Yeah. You hear stories like that and it's just, you have to take a second to try to process it and just be in awe. Can you, oh, it's wild. Can you talk more into that? Can you talk more into healing and how some people might view it? I know there's a lot of caution, I guess, that certain Christians might have going into it or they might not understand fully. Can you share about your process of understanding, embracing, and then having it happen in your hands, literally? I think for me, the biggest thing that I've learned is that one, there's nothing that I can do to add to somebody getting healed or to take away from it. I think the more that I've gotten into it, the more I, I realize that I, I don't know in a lot of ways. And, and I have to go into it so humbly just saying, Hey God, what do you want to do? I just trust you Lord with what you want to do. And if I can trust the Lord and keep my heart pure, just in that process, because I know so oftentimes it's easy to feel offended or it's easy to instantly get disillusioned. As I've looked back, I've seen the Lord's faithfulness, even through things that I didn't understand, if that makes sense. And so I know people have a lot of mixed reviews about it. Obviously, if I look at the life of Jesus, I know that Jesus, he did what the father did. And there were some people he probably didn't heal off the bat. And I'll never understand that. But what I have to understand is the foundation. I know that God's good regardless. Mm. And so if I can stand on that truth. 
I can go out in faith, but I, I know ultimately it's in his hands mm-hmm. and his ways are beyond my, my ways at the end of the day. That embrace that you're sharing right now of humility and faith that comes from growth and intimacy. Can you share that part of your life with us, with him, with regards to your intimacy with him, how you've learned, how you've cultivated it and what it means to you? I think intimacy is everything. It's, it's that fuel. It's the fuel that keeps you going. I'm a person that runs on all cylinders oftentimes. And so there's been so many, you, you probably heard this even in Juan's podcast where he talks about, he's like the go, go guy. And I'm the one that kind of holds him back, not holds him back, but I'm like, okay, let's bring it back. Like, how are we going to make it happen? Yeah. The voice of reason is what I, I that's right. Thank you. I feel like I deserve more credit, honestly. No, I'm just kidding. But so much that I feel like at times in my life, I've tried to do on my own. And at the end of the day, I know it sounds so cliche to even say it, but it's so true. It's like, there's so many things I've tried to make happen because I I thought I could make them happen. And I've fallen so short or I've fallen so empty. And so I think, especially in the times that we're living in now, it's do or die with Jesus. That's, that's how I feel. It's like, either I, I create that and I make that space for the Lord. And I let that space fill me up or I'm running on my own flesh. And that really won't get me very far (laughs) at the end of the day. I'm going to end up burnt out, tired, disillusioned. Like I just feel like staying in tune with what God's doing is everything really is. You come with a unique perspective, Savannah, because growing up in the church, traveling, meeting so many different people, You've seen the church grow and change and morph. Big C I'm talking about. Yeah. Can you share with what you're seeing now? Can you share about what you feel like the Lord is saying now for the church? Yes, here at the harbor in South Florida, but the Church of America and even the the whole body, the bride. I was just listening to actually an amazing Devo that they did at our staff, and I was so blown away because I really feel like that's actually what the Lord's doing. It's what he's been speaking to me as well. And that is like, if we really think about what this year has been, like if you really give yourself a minute to feel what it's been, people have been isolated. We've not only been isolated, but there's been so many images been put in front of us about violence and racism and brutality and just awful, awful things that we've, that have been on replay and repeat in our minds. And there's been so, it's been so easy to put fear in our hearts, to not trust people, to not trust, to be mad at the church, to be mad at God, to, there's just something that happens when people are isolated that I feel is super unhealthy, but I feel like there's this invitation. There's such an emphasis on renewing our mind. We have to renew our mind with what the Lord is, is speaking and what he's sharing. If we don't put on that filter first, then we just absorb the world around us, but we are not called to be in the world or we're called to be in it, but not consumed of it. And so I think that this is a, an opportunity for the church to renew its mind and to be so countercultural. I mean, if you look at the life of Jesus and who he was, he he loved those who hated him. He blessed his enemies. Where's that in today's cancel culture? Like it's, 
it's not existent. Is this controversial? I don't know. Is this going to get me in trouble? It might bring it on, but I, but it's just, that's who Jesus was. And so the things that would want to rise up in us, even for me, if I go on Facebook, I'm like, I almost have to turn that off because I start to see people differently, which is so not Jesus. And so I think that this is an opportunity for the church to walk in a place of peace, to walk in a place of power, to walk in a place of love for real. The invitation is there. doesn't mean we're going to grab it, but I feel like we can. And if we do, I feel like it could totally change the world. What other places do you feel like maybe the church needs to step up more into? I've been feeling recently that there, the reason why there are so many other voices is because the voice of the church has been about the church and not about Jesus. And it just becomes more noise. So what are some areas where you feel like there are things, responsibilities and obedience to what God's saying that the church needs to step into? Man, I think loving people. I think even this may sound cliche as well, but I think with the virus and with the fear that that's brought, it's almost hindered our ability to, to love and to have connection because there's been so much fear on like, are they carriers? Are they this? I just feel like going back to simple love. I think people need people. People need connection. People need to have that face-to-face time, that moment to not only hear what what's going on in someone else's life, but for them to share their story as well. So I, I think one loving people would be a great way. Being slow to respond <laughs> would be yeah. another, like you said, like Jesus always directed people back to God, the father. He always pointed them back to what God was doing. And, and how often do we not do that? We pull people into the mess. We pull people, we drive the wedge deeper. We, it's just so easy for us to do that. So I think just being able to sit and say, well, hey, here's what God says about this. Here's what the Bible says about this. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy because the Bible is our manual. It, it shares what we need and nothing's new to God. If I read, I'm reading through Genesis right now and I'm like, I cannot believe this stuff is in the Bible. It's so scandalous. It really is, but it's, it's history and it's humanity. And if we can learn from it, and we can stay in tune with what God's doing, I think we can change our course for where we're heading. You've kind of gone full circle where you were young, growing up in the church, and now you are a leader of youths. Yes. You and your husband. The youths. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Can you share experience that might be a little bit surreal or things that come out at your mind like whoa I was sitting in their chair and now I'm in front of them and just experiences where you it starts to settle in like man things have changed there's been a transformation Mm -hmm. in that area for me I feel the difference the most in the sense that I don't okay I guess you always kind of feel like a kid a little bit if I'm being honest but I do Mm. feel I know I'm like is there ever a point where I feel like an adult but I do but I just feel I feel like a season shift a little bit now with not just feeling like a big sis but kind of feeling like a mom in certain ways I don't have tangible kids yet but I felt that transition and I love it and I remember what it was like for example we had one of our students that led a burn set with with us and I remember what it was like because my junior year of high school was the first 
year I did a burn myself and I was, it was a 2 a.m. shift and I was so nervous. So just to be able to have that full circle moment to now be able to pour into the next generation and say, Hey, no, you do have this. Yeah. This is a gift on your life. Like, yes, you can push past that fear is so crazy for me because it wasn't that long ago that I was in the, I was experiencing those same things and I still experience them today, but just to see that personal shift from a peer to big sis to mom, I'm feeling that a little bit more now than I ever have. How important is it for you, for you both to be leaders of young men and women, you know, Gen Z kids who are growing up, who have grown up in just so much overstimulation and so many voices that are trying to reach their ears. How important is it for you guys to lead them, guide them through finding who they are in Jesus? What's that like? It's so important. It's so important. And you probably know this the most too, being a teacher, but it's just like, there's so many things that are trying to speak to them about who they are. And so if I, in my puny little life, can be a small voice to say, no, this is actually who God says you are. No, there actually is more for you than this. I mean, the amount of kids that, that I've encountered that have struggled with really deep depression or overexposure and just like so much yuckiness that wants to steal innocence, steal purity. Like if I can be, if I can help be that voice, I mean, that's so important. These are such crucial years. And, and I see something so powerful. I mean, I, Juan and I, I don't know if Juan said this in, when he did a podcast, but man, we <laughs> hashtag bless up for what we got for deep in <laughs> because our kiddos, our students, they are incredible. And there's so much anointing over their life. I mean, sometimes I look at them and I'm like, okay, can you just go ahead and change the world for me? Because they carry it on the inside. But if I can help to develop and shape those giftings, it's, it's everything because there's so many loud voices right now. Can you give one example of that? Can you give an example of where the Lord's been able to use you to transform or steer someone away from a situation that they're living in? Before Juan and I did youth at the harbor and right when I got back from California, I actually worked at an all girls school for at-risk teen girls. And I remember it was a very secular school. You couldn't even mention the Lord. You'd probably get in trouble. And I had this front office space. And I remember I was fresh off the boat of Bible school. And I was just like, okay, this space is my space. God, wherever I am in the space, you're there also. And I remember sitting in the very front of this, they called it the bubble. And I would just pray over it. And I'd say, God, this is a bubble of peace. And the, and the school itself was not not peaceful in the slightest. I mean, you'd have crazy stuff that would happen all the time. But I remember some of, of my girls back then would come by and they're like, Miss Savannah, I'll never forget. One of them was like, Miss Savannah, when I walk past this place, this is this. I just feel like this is a safe space. And I'm like, yeah, girl, it is because it's Jesus. But I just, in that, my little office space, I'd be able to have these deep conversations with these girls that people would discredit for some reason, or they would say, oh, no, no, I know their medical history, or I know this or that, and no way. But the Lord would open up these conversations, and they would notice, Miss Savannah's, I feel something different when I'm with you. And so it would open up some of those conversations for, 
for them to share the deepest places of where they're at in life and what they're going through. And I could just give them advice and try to point them back to Jesus and and the best way that I could. Last thing before we go, it's a beautiful process. The harvest says transform people, transforming culture. The work is finished on the cross, like Darren says, but it's it's a continual growth and process through it. Yeah. What's an area that you are feeling or the most recent time where you're feeling growth and transformation in your relationship with the Lord? Is there something that you've been going through, something that you've recently come out of where you're like, okay, this was this was by God's grace that you got out of? I mean, try yeah, all of 2020 for one and I, and not even just because of of COVID. I mean, it was way deeper than that. The Lord was doing so much in our hearts this year through pain and through disappointment. Just to give you, I mean, some tangibles that we came down here on a on a pretty clear call of what we felt was the Lord saying to come back to South Florida. And I don't know if you've ever had those seasons where people give you the prophetic words and the big stuff. And you're like, yeah, like I'm going to go to Florida and just slay it all for Jesus. And then you get down here and get your butt kicked. And am I allowed to say butt on the podcast? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just, yeah, just edit that part out. Uh, I I know. So scandalous. No, but I just, we came in so strong on the inside and then just got pummeled from disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. So much so that I thought, God, are you calling us? Down? Did I miss it? Did I, I must've missed it. Must've been something I ate or whatever. <laughs> and the Lord showed up. I mean, we moved down and all the job opportunities fell through all the the moments that we thought we were going to be set up fell through and it caused this total redependency on the Lord, which we've had in different seasons. And I think sometimes you think, Oh, I've mastered that. Okay. Next chapter, God, and then he brings you back to it. Yeah. This, this season, it was almost like everything we needed. I mean, we had crazy moments where we'd have rent due and we didn't have the job set up yet. And someone would give us the exact amount that we needed. And and it was so humbling for me because Juan and I were always the people that gave to people because we were fine in Nashville. We were more than fine. And I just felt like, and there was other way deeper stuff too, when it came to dreams and thinking things that I thought would happen that didn't. And all that to say, I've just learned with the Lord to, to lean back lean back and keep my heart soft because there's once again, I know I've hit on this a couple of times, but there's so many moments where I was like, God, I am beyond this. I am going back where I came from. And the Lord's like, no, no, no. I've called you down here. You're going to be okay. Do you trust me? Do you really trust me? Are you going to be humble for real? And there was so much through that. The Lord taught looking back hindsight, 2020, there's just so much that yeah, that we, that I learned about the Lord and about myself that I would never trade, but it cost something definitely cost something. Yeah. That would, I think that would be my, my most recent. I'm just now coming out of some of that <laughs> and re and re knowing the side of the Lord that I thought I had mastered, thought I had leveled up in. And really, I, I realized at the end of the day, I didn't trust him like I thought. So 
I feel like we've just scratched the surface. I mean, we didn't talk about the meeting, the young meeting of Juan Alban when you guys were growing up. I know. Listen, can I just say something for the record, by the way, for anyone who listened to that podcast, one, we are two and a half years apart. <laughs> I want that to be known. And then two, there was no long distance dating in the beginning. Okay. I just want to set the record straight. I told him, no way, Jose. <laughs> oh, so it was like that. Oh, it was. It was. But then I also I also liked him a lot. And I told my mom, I said, if only Juan was older, I would totally date him. But he's not. And so I will not. But yeah. I just I just wanted to go on the books and say that so so next you, time. Yeah, exactly. There has to be a next time because there's so <laughs> much more. But I just want to say thank you, Savannah, for sharing your heart and sharing the journey that you've had with him. And we really appreciate it. So thank you. Thanks. It's been an honor, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Transformation Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harvard Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.